Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you. Let's stand up together as we've got people still kind of coming in. And uh, if you're not comfortable shaking hands, that's okay. Turn around and yell at somebody and tell them that you're happy to see them this morning. One, two, three, four. Fill us with the 
Man, you guys have a seat. Well, good morning once again, and welcome to Burlington Baptist Church. My name is Beth Claxton, and I'm the Children's Ministry Director here at Burlington Baptist. And it's so good to see each and every one of you all this morning here to worship today. You know, this morning I was doing some reading, and it said, Come worship our King. Let us bow before Him at His feet. And you know what? What a privilege and a blessing that we have that we can come here together and worship together. And I just praise Jesus for that. We thank you. Um, if you're a first-time guest with us this morning, we are glad that you are here. And we would love to connect with you to let you know of some other opportunities here in the church that you may be of interest that you can get plugged into. So we would like to get to know you. And how we can do that is through a connection card. So if you would click the, um, or scan, excuse me, scan the QR code in front of you there on your chair backs. It'll take you to a, a digital connection card. If you're watching online with us this morning, you can follow the link and also take you to a digital connection card. Or you can just stop back at our information desk there in Atrium, and they would be glad to help you. And we just like to get some information so we can reach out to you and let you know of opportunities here in the church. Well, this week on Wednesday, we start back with all of our regular activities except for one exception, and that is our Wednesday night meal. We're going to wait and start back on the Wednesday the 19th with our evening meal. But all other activities will resume this Wednesday. That's our children, our youth. I believe there's some men's small groups, women's small groups. Also, Harold will be leading um, a class on teaching you how to go out and be fishers of men and do some evangelism training with you guys. So we'd love to have you here. That's this Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. So let's continue to worship this morning. And as we do so, I'd love to lead us in a word of prayer. So would you pray with me, please? Father God, we just praise you and thank you, God, for who you are and for loving us. Thank you for always providing for us, God, and, and, and just being with us each and every day. I mean, this world is so crazy right now and with the different things that are going on. You know, one thing remains, and that is you, God, and you are in control, and we thank you for that, God. You know, help Burlington Baptist to be that church on fire and to, to be fishers of men, God, to answer that call that you give to each and every one of us. God, I just pray for us to do that and to reach out into this community in this new year and in this new season. God, we thank you that during Jesus' life, through his death and resurrection, that we see your love, your mercy, and, oh, God, your victory. Thank you, God. Be with us now as we praise your name through, through song and lifting up our voices to you, God. And we love you. And we pray these things in the most precious name of Jesus. Amen. Well, Beth's devotion this morning was about worshiping the king. So we're going to sing about that right now. So stand up with us again and uh, join us one more time. 
Amen. You guys have a seat. 
So this next song talks about fear, which I'm sure we can all relate to on some level. But the Bible tells us that fear is from the enemy. Second Timothy also tells us that God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So we're going to sing about that this morning. If you guys know this song, feel free to sing along. told you a trouble you forever be Your fire fall, cast out all my fear. Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear. Let your fire fall, cast out all my fear. Let your fire fall, your love is all I fear. Let your fire Cast out all my fear. Let your fire fall. Your love is all I fear. 
Good to see you this morning. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 4, so good to be back with you. Appreciate Brother Michael filling in. It's short notice last week. Thank you for your prayers. And uh, my wife's feeling a lot better. And uh, I know we've got lots of folks uh, dealing with COVID, so pray for one another. And it's notice we have about 50 people joining us online, so we want to welcome them. And I know lots of folks would rather be here than at home, quarantined. Uh, but we'll do what we got to do, won't we? This morning we're going to talk about going fishing. Any any fishermen in the house? Got a few fishermen? Yeah, yeah. I heard about a little boy. He was was late for Sunday school one morning. He was always there early, and so the teacher asked him if there was anything wrong, and he said, "No, ma'am. I was going to go fishing uh, this morning, but Dad told me I needed to go to church instead." And uh, she was pretty impressed with that, and she asked the boy if her, if her dad explained why it's more important to go to church than it is fishing and. And he said, yes, ma'am, he did. He said he didn't have enough bait for the both of us. <laughs> I hope that's not the case while you're here. I hope you come to, to worship the king and, and to uh, lift up Jesus this morning. But we're going to talk about fishing, and uh, I'm in Matthew chapter 4. I'd love for you to stand, and uh, we'll honor God's word together. Fishing for Jesus. I, I pray the Lord will use this passage this morning for the good of our church uh, in reaching the lost. Verse 12 says, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they are fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray. Father, speak, we pray, this morning through your word. And uh, we just want to acknowledge our great need for you. 
And Father, we can accomplish nothing apart from you. You're the vine, we're the branches. If we remain in you, we can bear much fruit, but apart from you, we can do nothing. We'd acknowledge that this morning. Lord, I just want to acknowledge our desperate need for your spirit to, to communicate your word to us. Lord, we want to be changed this morning by your word. That's your work, and we invite you to do that. We pray you give us receptive hearts. Lord, we pray for one another. We, we pray for those battling COVID uh, this week. We pray for those with other battles, uh, for those still dealing with devastation and destruction in their lives. We lift them up to you. We pray that on this Lord's day, the name of Jesus will be lifted up, that many will hear the call to, to follow Jesus and be saved. We pray you would do that work here in this room. Our great desire is that someone would be saved this morning. Lord, do that, we pray, and we give you all the praise for it. Lord, use me these next few minutes, I pray. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, there are many. Help me to be a clean vessel, usable by you today. And give us, your people, ears to hear and receptive hearts. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I, I will invite you to read Daniel 8 next week. We'll finish up our series on Daniel. And next week we're going to talk about goats and rams and horns and, and all kinds of cool stuff. And so Daniel 8. Uh, but if you were coming here in January of 2020, which is two years ago, pre-COVID, we kicked off an initiative called Who's Your One? Anybody remember Who's Your One? Yeah, good. And we asked everybody to identify one person, one person in this area that you would pray for, uh, hopefully every day, that God would save them. And uh, I, I encourage you to seek an opportunity to take them out for breakfast or lunch or dinner or invite them to your home, share your testimony, uh, share the gospel with them, uh, at least invite them to church so they can hear the gospel. Uh, we have these cards, and uh, you fill those cards out, and you lay them up here, and we gathered them, and we put them on the list, and we prayed for them, and uh, we got off to a really good start. If you remember, Jay Robinson, he, he him and Brandon and, and Carissa set up here, and he, he was one of the first ones saved that year, and uh, a few of us had him as our one. He got saved and baptized, and then Kent Sharp, uh, he got saved in March, and he, he was like the, the last Sunday that we were able to meet before we had to shut down. He, he got baptized, and, uh, and so we got off to a good start, and then COVID came and, and uh, kind of messed all that up. And uh, I want to do it again, and uh, I want you to participate. I want to ask you just to identify one person. And uh, you, you can identify more than that. You can be an overachiever. That'd be super. Uh, but, but, but just at least one person. Uh, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, uh, someone in your family, someone that you want to see the Lord saved. And uh, it, it can be, uh, it might be the same person that you identified two years ago. And, and maybe you've quit praying for them, or maybe you never had an opportunity to, to talk to them about the gospel. Uh, anyway, you identify that person, uh, pray that the Lord will save them, look for opportunities to share the gospel with them. And uh, I'm going to invite you this morning to, to leave their name on a card with me or on the steps to pray for them. Uh, I want to join you in praying for them. And then I want to send you out and uh, tell you to go fish for, for men. And so this passage this morning, uh, Matthew chapter 4, uh, here's where we're at. In Matthew 4, at the beginning, Jesus is in the wilderness. Uh, he'd been baptized by John. He went to the wilderness uh, 40 days. 
fasting and praying. He was tempted by, uh, by the devil during that time. And uh, at the end of that, in verse 11, then, Jesus, or, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Now, uh, some suggest that there was uh, some time between the end of verse 11 and the beginning of verse 12 when Jesus begins his public ministry, uh, maybe up to a year. Uh, we're not exactly sure how long it was, but uh, anyway, he hears that John has be, been put in prison. And we pick up in verse 12. He withdrew into Galilee. Uh, that's an area just north of Jerusalem, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, but he's ready now to begin his public ministry. And Matthew uh, states that Jesus began his work in Galilee, and that was a fulfillment of prophecy. Uh, Isaiah, in Isaiah 9, 1 and 2, had uh, prophesied that, and Matthew uh, quotes that in verses 15 and 16. The, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. And he says, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. For those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And so Jesus was the light sent by God into a world of darkness. And, and so Isaiah had predicted it, and Matthew just picks up on it, the fact that Jesus was fulfilling prophecy. And, and Matthew, had, who was Jewish, uh, he'd already included the story about the, the wise men in chapter 2. Uh, the Gentiles, the wise men who had come to see Jesus. And when he ends... His gospel, Matthew says that the Great Commission to go and make disciples, we're to do that of all nations. And so I, I think Matthew wants us to know that Jesus didn't come just for the Jews, but he came to be the Savior of the world. And so this area, Galilee, uh, had been settled by the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. Uh, it's not a large area. Uh, it's about 50 miles north to south, about 20 mi 25 miles uh, across, but it was a densely populated area. And so verse 13 says that he left Nazareth and went and lived in Capernaum by the sea. Well, some might ask, well, why, why did he leave Nazareth? Well, Nazareth was his hometown. And uh, Luke tells us in Luke 4 that uh, when he started his ministry, he went there to the synagogues and he, he opened up the, the scrolls and read to them and, and they didn't receive it. Uh, Luke 4, 28 says, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. And they rose up and drove them out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. That's a pretty good reason to leave. And so he decides, I'll go to, to Galilee, to Capernaum, and I'll begin uh, to preach. And, and so that's what happens. Uh, Capernaum is kind of centrally located in Galilee. And so Jesus begins his public ministry by preaching. Verse 17, from that time Jesus began to, to preach. That word is caruso. It means to proclaim. It means to publish. And so Jesus began his ministry. He didn't come to argue or dispute, but to proclaim or to preach the truth. And uh, you might ask, well, what exactly did he preach? Well, John 12, 49 says, For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And so Jesus said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to preach to you what the Father has given me. And that's what preaching is. 
You don't need somebody to get up and tell a bunch of stories or to try to teach some psychology or some self-help methods on how to have a, a prosperous life. No, God has given us what He wants us to proclaim, and that is the Word of God, and it is all-sufficient. Now, sometimes I have to wrestle with that. I believe that it's all-sufficient, uh, but this week I started working on Daniel 8, 9, and 10, 11. I thought, huh, Lord, I, can I skip that for right now and... No, this word is all-sufficient. It is what God wants us to proclaim. And so when Jesus began his ministry, that's what he did. He began by proclaiming. And um, so verse 18, while walking by the Sea of Galilee. Anybody been to Israel? Yeah, Dick and, yeah. In 2010, I had the privilege. And we stayed in a place called Tiberias. This is right there on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, I'm a runner. Two mornings, I got to get up and run beside the Sea of Galilee. The sun was coming up, and uh, I had to stop a couple times and pinch myself, saying, man, I'm, I'm running by the Sea of Galilee. But it, that's where Jesus was, and uh, the, he began to call out his disciples early on in his ministry. And uh, Matthew here tells us about four of the disciples. Uh, we get uh, Simon, who's called Peter, and we know that he would kind of become the, the natural leader of the twelve. Andrew was Peter's brother, and uh, he, he kind of has the reputation of, of inviting other people to come and, and see Jesus. And then in verse 21, we have uh, James uh, and John. James uh, will become the first Christian martyr. Uh, he's killed by King Herod, and you can read about that in Acts. And then John, he, he is the, the writer of the Gospel of John. Uh, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And uh, we love John as well. Uh, he also wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John and the book of Revelation. And so uh, Peter, James, and John would kind of form the inner circle uh, with Jesus. But all four of these men were fishermen. And Jesus comes along in verse 19 and he says, follow me. Now that's kind of another sermon itself. What, what does it mean to follow Jesus? And uh, Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Uh, but So he says to, uh, to Peter and Andrew, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And so the question I have for you this morning is, who wants to go fishing? And I'm not talking about this kind, uh, which is good too, but it was raining this morning when I got up, and I thought, well, it's not be a good, very good question to ask because nobody probably wants to fish today. But anyway, fishing for Jesus. And, and I hope you'll say, I want to follow Jesus, and I want to be a fisher of men. Now, before you say that, maybe you'll say, well, what's involved? Well, here's some things. First of all, flee from sin. Flee from sin. When Jesus began to preach, the first thing that he says or preaches is repent. Verse 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That word repent, metaneo, means a change in the way we see something. Uh, to repent means it's a change in a way that, that we see sin, in the way that we look at righteousness. Now, to repent is to have a change of mind that leads to a radical change of our heart and our will and our, even our behavior. And so uh, have a change in the way we see things. And so first of all, Jesus is his first really calling. We could say even the, the first requirement for salvation is repentance. It's turning our back on sin and then following Jesus. We, we say we, we want to leave this behind and we want to follow after the Lord. 
Now, some people say, well, why is repentance necessary? Well, because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king has come, and the king is holy. That means that he is separated from sin. You, you can't hold on to your sins and follow Jesus at the same time. So Jesus said, turn from that and come and follow me. There are many people who say they want to follow, but, but the first calling is to flee from our sin, to turn from our sins. And so I'm, let me ask you this morning, have you turned from your sin to follow Christ? You can't have two masters. Are you willing to forsake sin, to lay it down and follow Christ? That's the calling of the gospel. Not only flee from sin, but secondly, follow the Savior. So verse 18, we have these two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and, and Andrew. And uh, they're fishermen by trade. They're casting a net, and so they would stand on the, the edge of the, the shore. Sometimes they'd get in the water, but they had these nets, and they would throw it out there into the deep area. And if it was a good fishing day, they'd catch some fish. And so that's what they were doing. And, uh, and then in verse 21, we have James and John. They, they're a little more sophisticated. They're in the boat uh, with their dad, their father, Zebedee, and they also were fishing. And they still use the nets there as well. But notice the call to follow. Verse 19, he said to them, follow me. And then at the end of verse 21, they were mending their nets, and he called them. So verse 19, first of all, follow me. It is an adverb expressing a command. In other words, Jesus said, come here, or, or come here with me. That, that's the language. And so get this picture. We have these fishermen. They're trying to catch some fish. They're trying to make a living. They're out working. The Savior comes along, and he says, hey, Peter, Andrew, come, and, come with me. Come follow me. Now notice the, the choice to follow. When, call, when God calls us to something, we, we get to make a choice. And uh, notice the choice that Peter and Andrew make. Verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And so their, their obedience is instant and is without hesitation. And, and listen, they didn't have a complete understanding who Jesus was. And they didn't know where... It might take them if they decided to follow him, they, but they had a choice to make, and the choice that they made was to immediately follow Jesus. And then we see the choice of James and John down in verse 22. It says, immediately they left the boat and their father. And I like that one even better, don't you? Hey, Dad, you keep going, but we got to go. And so they left the boat, and they went and immediately followed Jesus. Listen, when... When the Lord called them to follow him, they left their nets, they left their boat, and they followed Jesus. Listen, I just want to suggest that, that's our, that, what, that should be what our response is. When the Creator, when the Redeemer of the world invites us to come follow him, we, we ought to respond to that gracious call. Listen, 20-some years ago, God called me to kind of get out of a comfortable boat and follow him. I, I wish I could say I, I did it immediately. Uh, but I can't say I did it, and, and it's been the, and the greatest adventure of my life. And I can tell you the same thing. If God has a certain calling, whether it's to be saved or, or to, to, to give your life for ministry or missions, uh, listen, if you follow Him, it'll be the greatest adventure of your life. And so uh, when God calls, though, we, we, we have to decide if we're going to follow or not. And uh, a lack of trust will keep us from following. 
a lack of trust will uh, often cause us to, to leave when the going gets tough. Uh, but when we hear the call and we say, I'm going to go, then uh, that sustains us in that calling. Let me share some characteristics of following Christ. The first is just following Christ requires obedience. That's not a very popular word today. People don't like to be told what they have to do. And, uh, but Jesus says, follow me. It is an imperative, a, a command. It's not just an invitation. Uh, and that's why they immediately left their, their nets. See, Jesus didn't say, hey, Peter and Andrew, would you all like to consider maybe going? No. He says, come with me. Follow me. He, he didn't say go home and think about it or wait. No. He says, follow me. And so our obedience to Christ is related to our submission to His Lordship. Now when I say submission, submit, sub is uh, to put under, and, and mito is, is to put. And so when we submit, we, we place ourselves under the authority of another. We bring ourselves under Jesus. And we say, we want you to be our master. The language that Jesus uses is to be yoked with Him. Now, when you had two animals and you yoked them up, when they got the yoke on them, then they would follow the commands of their master. And what Jesus invites us is to be yoked with him. And he's going to carry the weight, but we're going to acknowledge that he's the master and I'm going with him. Not only does following require obedience, but secondly, following requires perseverance. Listen, following Jesus is not some isolated act. It's, it's not a one-time thing. It is a lifetime commitment, and it's not fulfilled until the race is over, until you cross the final barrier, until you get home. If you want to follow Jesus, you start following him, and you don't quit following him until you, you meet him at home in glory. James Boyce said, following Jesus is not only a door to be entered, but a path to be followed. And the true disciple proves the reality of his discipleship by following the path to the end. To the end. David, in Psalm 119, 105, he said, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Verse 112 says, My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. In other words, David says, I'm going to go with the Lord. And I'm going to look to his word, and it's going to light my path. And I'm going to go down that path, and I'm going to stay on that path to the very end. And so following Christ requires perseverance. A lot of people in our church, they want to kind of lay down the nets on Sunday, but they like to pick them back up during the week. But what we see the disciples is they immediately left. They went and followed the Savior without reservation or, or question. And so I want to ask you this morning, are you willing to follow the Savior today? Will you follow Him until the race is over? Listen, some start strong, but listen, the journey's not over. Jesus says, follow me. Keep following me. That's the language. And so flee from sin, follow the Savior, and then finally, fish for sinners. Back to verse 19. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I, I want you to hear the call to fish. Follow me, come here, and I will make you fishers of men. Have you ever noticed that Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men? I believe that Christ expects all of his followers to be fishermen. I wish somebody would say amen to that, but I, it doesn't matter whether you agree or not. I, I believe it, and... Uh, Andrew Murray was pretty direct. Here's what he said. 
Some people don't like this, but, but he said there's two kinds of Christians. There are soul winners and backsliders. Show winners or backsliders. Now, I know some people say, well, preacher, I just, I, I don't agree with that statement. We're not all called to be fishermen. Listen, I, I could debate you, and if we allow this to be our authority, you could not win that debate. We are to be fishers of men. The called out ones are to go and do the work. First uh, Peter 2, 9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession. So Peter says you're, you're a saved people, and then he says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has saved you. You're a special people that you may proclaim his excellencies, the one who brought you out of darkness into the light. And so the, the called out ones become the ones who call others. And listen, church, if you study the lives of, of servants that God has used in a mighty way, there are two characteristics, two commonalities that you'll most often find. The first one is that they're a man or woman of prayer, and secondly, they are a fisher of men. People of prayer, and they care about the lost. George Truett said, the only reason Christians are left on earth is to bring others to Jesus. Now, I, I, maybe we could argue about that a little bit. No, we're to bring glory to God, but... But we bring glory to God by bringing others, by proclaiming the gospel. John Wesley said, you have only one business, and that is the salvation of souls. David Brainerd said, I care not how I lived or what hardship I went through. If only I might gain souls for Christ. Jesus said, John 15, 6, you did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. What, what's the fruit that Jesus is talking about? He's not talking about apples and oranges, is he? We don't bear that. No, he's talking about making disciples, doing the work of an evangelist, sharing the gospel, seeing people saved and discipled. He said, I, I, you need to go and bear fruit. And so what's going on in our churches? I'll tell you, preachers have stopped sharing the call to be fishers of men. We've stopped telling people, listen, God expects you to be a fisher of men. In Kentucky, I'm just familiar with these rates, Kentucky Baptist churches, we used to see over 20,000 baptisms a year. Now, I know baptism doesn't mean you're saved, but it's an indication that you've decided to follow Jesus and you want to publicly acknowledge it. We used to see over 20,000 a year in the 80s. The population has increased, and now our number of baptisms is around 11,000 or so. We quit fishing. You know some of these statistics. Only 2% of active members invite an unchurched member to church in a given year. I, it's higher than that here at Burlington Baptist. You are a little better than that, but 2% of active members even invite. This is not even sharing the gospel. It's just inviting someone to, to join you for church. Only 2% of believers do that. It now takes 85 church people to reach one person for Christ. We've quit fishing. This statistic is a little a few years old. Ninety percent of our churches are plateaued or declining, and over thirty five hundred are closed. Listen, more than thirty five hundred. Lots of churches, especially since COVID, lots of our churches are closing the doors. The most disturbing trend: baptismal rates in the ages of nine to seventeen have declined 
over 40% since the 80s. Listen, we're losing an entire generation. Does that bother anybody? I'm alarmed at how comfortable many of our churches are while so many people need the gospel. It, it alarms me how many adults seem to care so little about young people. I guess we got our ticket punched and... But let me just be honest, y'all y'all pretty good about this and you don't usually get too mad at me, but uh, it, it's, it's frustrating, I think, for churches to have to spend so much time fishing for their members instead of fishing for the lost. Amen? If you're saved, you ought to be following. If you're saved, the church shouldn't have to put out an APB to find you. You ought to be showing up to worship. Or you ought to at least, we ought to at least know where you're at. There ought to be some evidence of, of you following Jesus. And so often we, we quit fishing for the lost because we're trying to find our church members. It ought not be that way. And so let's, let's just really be really honest. I mean, back in December, we got back to over 400. Listen, we, we have over 400 people showing up on something, and we, we don't today, but, but over 400 showing up. And, and less than 25 of the church went out with the gospel to every home more than one time. So you, you know most of our churches don't do any outreach anymore? You want to know why? Because nobody will show up to take the gospel. And we've made every excuse, well, we can't go door to door anymore. No, we, don't, we don't do anything. And we wonder why we see less and less people saved. Let me share this kind of sobering story that kind of illustrates the state of evangelism in many of our churches. On a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks were frequent, a crude little life-saving station was built. The building was just a hut, and there was only one boat, but the few devoted crewmen kept a constant watch over the sea. With no thought for themselves, they went out day or night, tirelessly searching for any who might need help. Many lives were saved by their devoted efforts. After a while, the station became famous. Some of those who were saved, as well as others in the surrounding area, wanted to become part of the work. They gave time and money for its support. New boats were bought, additional crews were trained, and the station grew. Some of the members became unhappy that the building was so crude. They felt a larger, nicer place would be more appropriate as the first refuge of those saved from the sea. That sounds good, doesn't it? So they replaced the emergency cots with hospital beds. They put better furniture in the enlarged building. Soon the, the station became a popular gathering place for its members to discuss the work and to visit with each other. They continued to remodel and, and decorate until the station more and more took on the mood and character of a club. Fewer members were interested in going out on life-saving missions, so they hired professional crews to do the work of the, on their behalf. The life-saving motif still prevailed on the club emblems and stationery, and there was a lifeboat in the room where the club held its initiations. One day, a large ship was wrecked off the coast, and the hired crews brought in many boatloads of cold, wet, half-drowned people. They were dirty, bruised, and sick. The beautiful new club was terribly messed up, and, and so the property committee immediately had a shower house built outside where the shipwrecked victims could be cleaned up before coming inside. At the next meeting, there was a split in the club membership. Most of the members wanted to stop the club's life-saving activities altogether as being unpleasant and a hindrance to the normal social life of the club. 
Some members insisted on keeping life-saving as their primary purpose and pointed out that, after all, they were still called a life-saving station. But those members were voted down and told that if they wanted to save lives, they could begin their own station down the coast somewhere. As the years went by, the new station gradually faced the same problems the other one had experienced. It too became a club, and its life-saving work became less and less of a priority. The few members who remained dedicated to life-saving began another station. History continued to repeat itself. If you visit that coast today, you will find a number of exclusive clubs along the shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent in those waters, but most of the people drown. We, we can look around and we can see lots of churches and clubs today, but most people are dying without Christ. The, the life-saving work of evangelism church is still the most essential work of the church. It, it is what the Lord has called us to do. He wants his followers to be concerned about the, the lostness. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And so my prayer is that, that he would give us a, a heart like his in 2022. And so let me ask you, do you know Christ personally? Do you want to follow him? Will you turn from your sins? Will you submit to his lordship? And then do you want to go fishing for Jesus? My final point this morning is just the commitment to the, to the fishermen. Again, back to verse 19. I will make you. Now, these were rough, uneducated, unreligious men. And Jesus comes to them and he calls them to follow him. And then he, he calls them to commit themselves to evangelism. And part of his calling for them was his commitment to them to train them and to empower them. Church, we're to, we're to follow that example. We're to call our members to evangelism, and then we must be committed to training and encouraging them in the calling. And so Wednesday nights, 630, I'm going to do evangelism training. I'm going to do it for several weeks. You're, you're invited. You're invited. And we're going to talk about how to share the gospel, how to use gospel tracts. And listen, I, I want you to be equipped for that. I, I think every follower, every believer should be a soul winner. You ought to at least be able to share the gospel. You ought to at least be able to tell someone what Jesus has done in your heart and life. Now, research estimates that as many as 95% of all Christians have never led another person to Jesus Christ. You have to ask yourself where you fall on that statistic. But I don't want that to be the case for Burlington Baptist Church. I want you to be a part of sowing gospel seeds and watering those seeds and praying for those seeds and, and for God to bring a harvest and, and for you to be able to celebrate that. I, I want to help make you a fisher of men. Now listen, I'm not much of a fisherman. I used to fish a lot when I was little, but uh, here's what I've noticed about real fishermen. And if you're a real fisherman, you know this, but, but catching fish. Listen, they, they don't care about how early they have to get up. They don't care about how hot the sun is or, or how wet it is or how cold it is. or how, They don't care about how much the bait costs. Listen, when they're catching fish, life is good. You all know any fishermen like that? I had a buddy, he'd sit out there in the sun all day long. He just loved fishing. I wanted to catch fish. He, no, 
If they're catching fish, life is good. Listen, church, I believe that if we're faithful fishers of men, all the distractions that the enemy may want to bring against us, they're going to get so much smaller because God is using us to accomplish His purposes in and through us. All the distractions the enemies will bring, listen, they get so much, all the strife in so many of our churches, listen, some of that would go away if they would just be busy fishing for men. And they got more concerned about reaching people for the gospel than they did the color of the carpet and all the other things that that churches argue about today. And so I just want to, I'm closing. I don't know what you're going to do, but I know that the Lord is calling me to go fishing for, for men. And women and boys and girls. And listen, I want you to go fishing. I, I, I want you to be a soul winner. I, I want to do everything I can to equip you and teach you and show you. And I'll go with you. And listen, I'd love to pray for your lost friends. I'd love to add them to my list and, and pray for them every day. I'd love to do that. I'd love for you to invite me to go and visit your neighbor. I'd love for you to do that. I'd love for you to do that. Listen, if we got 400 people out there fishing... We're going to see a harvest. And it's exciting when you do. When you see someone get saved every week, listen, it's exciting. And so I'm going to keep praying that the Lord would give Burlington Baptist Church, and not just Burlington Baptist, I mean Kentucky Baptist and, and Southern Baptist. I'm going to pray that God would give us a heart for the lost. I'm going to pray that for you today and for me today. Who wants to go fishing for Jesus? Let's, let's pray. Father, do this work in our hearts. I know that it is so easy to do so many other things. Lord, I know my own heart. I know that churches don't even push the pastors to do evangelism anymore, and so I'm not going to get much heat if I don't do evangelism. Lord, help me to have a heart for the lost. I pray for the members here at Burlington Baptist, that they'll have a heart for their neighbors, their friends, their co-workers, their relatives. Lord, I pray you would make us fishers of men. Lord, I, I pray even this morning that not only would you do that work, but, but specifically you might save someone this morning that, that they might hear your call to turn from their sins and to believe upon Jesus. And, and I pray that someone here might be like Peter and Andrew, James and John. They, they might say, today's the day I'm going to follow Jesus. Do that, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Will, will you stand? Really a, a two-part invitation this morning. Who, who wants to follow Jesus? And listen, I'd love to talk to you about a relationship with Jesus. Man, I'd love to talk to you about that today. And uh, for those of you who will be willing to identify somebody, uh, I'd love for you to write their name on the card. I've got some cards up here if you didn't get one when you come in. or I'd love for you to write their name down, and, and you could leave it on the steps or hand it to me, or you can come and pray for that person. Uh, we want to start fishing today. If you want me to pray with you, I, I'll be glad to do that. If you, you want to come and talk to me this morning about how to reach your neighbor, you respond this morning to the, the call of God in your life to be saved or to be a fisherman. Amazing grace, how sweet that saved a wretch.
Shall soon dissolve like snow. The sun forbear to shine, but God will call me here. Will be forever mine. Will be forever. team thank you for being here this morning and uh, uh, again I'd invite you Wednesday night if you want to come out and get some evangelism training uh, if you have a card I'd love for you to give it to me when you leave today or uh, if you're online maybe you could just put the person's name the first name would be good on on the comments or shoot me an email and uh, let me know the name you can give me some information if you want to I'd, I'd love to pray with you uh, this year it's exciting when you want to get saved Matt was me and Danny we fought over Matt a little bit last year and yeah uh, he was mine first, just so everybody knows he, that. He jumped on board. Well, okay. okay. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, if you get a one and, and uh, they get saved, man, we'll celebrate with you uh, because it's exciting. I got a new Matt, by the way. 
But you, you got I got a new mat this year. Yeah. Yep. Me, me too. Yes. We're going to get all the mats. We want all the mats to be saved. Um, these pretty flowers here are for Raleigh Grace Brooks. Um, she was born December the 27th. Her parents are Chelsea and Danny Brooks. Her grandparents are Ron and Tony Baird. Is Ron and Tony back there? Yeah, Ron back there. Yeah, I see that hand. Yeah, I think uh, Ron and Tony will be great grandparents, and they're excited. And so congratulations to them. Also, Chris and Melissa Ramey, but congratulations to Riley Grace. And let me just mention, too, uh, Terrell and Kyra is a young couple who's been coming to the first service uh, for a while. Uh, anyway, Kyra's been pregnant. Uh, she gave birth to Nova Charlotte on December the 29th. Uh, Nova is just 26 weeks. Uh, she was premature, and so she's in the NIC unit. Uh, her name is Nova Charlotte. Uh, we're thankful for these two babies. Uh, we would appreciate your prayers for, for Nova uh, as she continues to develop. And, uh, and so pray for them. Uh, join us. And uh, I think that's it, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, just like always, uh, the clear box on the way out is the Dollar Club, and then there's the offering boxes back there. There's also ways to give to both of those uh, online or on your little uh, QR code. But let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you so much for this opportunity to come to your house. Lord, with all of the things uh, that are going on in the world, um, just constant new issues and things going on, Lord, we're just grateful to be able to come into this, to this place and just worship. And we thank you so much for that. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus, who for, without him we would not have the opportunity to go and tell people what he's done for us, Lord. It's just so amazing. We thank you for that. And Lord, we just, again, thank you for blessing this church and all the things that you do. Help us to go out this week and uh, tell somebody about your son. And Lord, we just ask that you lift up and, and, and heal and, and give comfort to those who are dealing with sickness and all of the things that are happening. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.